I'd like to welcome the, the church family and all those who, who may have stumbled upon us today. Um, a warm welcome as we as commence our time together. Today we're going to continue our series in, the, uh, in some of those minor prophets. And we're coming to the time of the year where it's the final term of school. It's been a difficult year, of course. But we're coming to the business end for many teachers. And final reports will be will be written. And some people will have their final school report ever. Although it may be their final school report, um, there are many other reports that we have in life. We, uh, we have reports about our work and our finance, maybe sport, about our health. We have these report cards all the way through our life. It's amazing when we take a, a funeral service and you only really have a few minutes to sum up a person's life. Family and friends, and they try to find those words, those words to capture a whole life. And it's difficult. And much more important than a person's final words are the words that others would say about them. What we have in the book of Malachi, which we're going to look at today, we can see this final summary of Israel, the, the chosen people of God by God himself. It's almost like a final report at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, we, we have gone from the start of the, the Old Testament with Abraham and the, the difficulties that uh, were faced by Israel in Egypt and under Moses. We saw the difficulties in judges and prophets and the rise of kings and the nation divided by civil war. We saw the, 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 national, uh, the northern nation wiped out and the struggles that the south had to continue on. But finally there was their, their exile, the destruction of Jerusalem, and for 70 years they lived in exile. And we've been looking lately about this nation coming back to, to Jerusalem to, to build the temple, to rebuild the wall, and it's almost like this is their final report card in Malachi. And what would you want your final report card to say? When I was at school, teachers would often use phrases like could do better or uh, easily distracted. Doesn't apply himself consistently is one that I would often get. Doesn't complete all their work. There is one statement that Jesus used in a parable and it's, it's the statement we all desperately want to have on our report card. Well done, good and faithful servant. So as we come to the end of this series and really to the end of the Old Testament, we're going to see God's final evaluation of his people. And we're going to see that through his prophet Malachi. As we turn to the book of Malachi, um, we discover that very little is known about the prophet Malachi. His name means my messenger. And some argue whether it's not really his name, it's more a title like the, the principal or the doctor or the prime minister. And there is little to tell us about us uh, when, when he wrote it. Um, tradition has it that he was one of the last prophets to write. Um, and so we have him placed in, at the end of the Old Testament. It's significant to understand that what we see here is this is God's last time he speaks through his prophets 
in the Old Testament. For four centuries, God is silent. There's nothing. Now think about four centuries. It's like us looking back to the time of Shakespeare when he was writing Hamlet or Rembrandt when he was born. Uh, the telescope was just invented. They just discovered that the body has a circulation system. The King James Bible was written. 400 years, and the nation of Israel heard nothing from God, only silence. So this is the last time God speaks. And so we read in, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I've loved you, says the Lord, but how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord said? Yet I've loved Jacob, but Esau I hated. I've turned his mountain into the wasteland and let his inheritance, left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we've been crushed, we've been, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They will build up and I will destroy. They'll be, they will be called the wicked land, the people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. This is such an important passage because it helps us understand the whole book. And there's a series of questions which, which show us really the heart of, of God. It, it, and it's meant to, I, I read it always as an emotional sort of question. And verse 2 starts off, I've loved you, says the Lord. And the relationship between God and his people was always based upon love. I mean, why did God choose Israel? It wasn't because they were great or they were powerful or they were mighty. It, was, it wasn't because they were strong, it was simply because of his, his love he chose them. It was his love, it was his love not just for them but the whole world. And Israel was to be that royal priesthood, that, that holy nation. Why would God want the whole nation to be a royal priesthood unless they were meant to reach and touch the whole world? God's love was directed towards Israel Receiving God's love but was never meant to be just kept for them. It was meant to be shared and experienced across the whole world. So this nation who time and time again received the love of God, the mercy of God, what do they ask? They say to God, how have you loved us? Perhaps you've received this similar comment from maybe someone that you've loved um, Maybe a child, maybe a, maybe a spouse, maybe a, a, a parent. They, you, you seek to love and they, and they ask the question, they throw it back at you as, you know, how have you loved me? You've not loved me. Particularly when you're not, maybe not doing what they want. And we understand the, the, the sadness of that, of that, that moment, the, the, the heartache of, of, of having it thrown back at you. And so we sometimes today question God ourselves. You know, if God loved me, why would he allow this to happen? Well, that's a very natural experience, a response, but hopefully we get over that. But we, 
But sometimes we have struggles to understand how God can allow this to happen. And remember, we're coming out of a, a COVID pandemic. How can God allow this to happen and he still say he loves us? How does God answer this accusation? Well, he shows them the favour that he has shown Jacob uh, more than Esau. Jacob I've loved, Esau I hated. I don't think we need to say that, see Esau as being hated by God. What it's saying is I've favoured Jacob because even in the scriptures we see Esau was blessed by God in, in, in a lot of different ways. It's not that God has shown this hatred to Esau, but he's shown favour to Jacob. He, these, these Israelites have have been given wonderful favour, blessing, mercy, because they've known God. They've had this intimate relationship that God has been offering a, a, a relationship of love. If God, being the God of love, um, is not understood, then we actually come to the scriptures and we start thinking of God as the uh, legalism, as, as we need to keep the law, we need to somehow earn our salvation, we need to need to do something to earn this. That's not what love is. As a relationship of love can be seen in our actions, we see Israel's response to God through their actions. And, and what do we see? They show their heart's desire with evil. They, they disobey, they, they, they break the, 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 the Torah, the law that God has given them. And the problem is not so much the, the breaking of the law, which is bad enough, but it's the heart response to them. When problems can be seen, we can hear uh, this, this sometimes a cry in our, even in our society of, of stricter, harsher punishments. But the problem is, is the heart that allows the response of the, behave, the actions. So verse 6 says... A son honours his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honour due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You've placed defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering this to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? The heart of the Israelites was to be this priesthood, this priesthood which were to help the, the, the people uh, determine law and ethics and right and wrong. They were the doctors and the lawyers and the teachers. The priesthood were to be the heart of the nation. And here we see the heart of the nation pumping not good oxygenated blood, but they were they were pumping out um, evil and wickedness. God's judgment was going to be final. Chapter 2, verse 1. And now this had 
admonition is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, if you do not set your heart to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, you will, I will send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. I've already cursed them because you've not set your heart to honour me. Change your heart is the plea that God gives. Change your heart. Change the way that you, you, you spread evil. Turn from that. If the priesthood is sick, then of course we accept we expect the, the people to be sick. So chapter 3, verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do you profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he, he was bringing offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with tears. You weep and wail because no longer he no longer pays attention to your offering or accepts them with, with pleasure from your hand. You ask why? It's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and your wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is not your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? Is flesh and spirit, in flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he is seeking godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God Almighty. I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. Perhaps you've lived long enough to know that uh, people who show unfaithfulness in one area of their life will always show unfaithfulness in the other. We see sometimes now politicians and they say, well, this is... This is their private life. This is not the public life. But surely the husband who is unfaithful to his boss at work will one day be unfaithful to his family or his friends. Unfaithfulness is a characteristic that people show not just in one area of their life, but the whole. So, and here we see Israel has been unfaithful to this covenant relationship with God They've been unfaithful even in their marriages, so they've broken their relationships with, with their, their wives because that represents really the broken relationship with their God. They were meant to marry and to be one, but what, they, what we see is so often in our society and back then was they would simply divorce their wife because she was getting older and so they discard her to get a younger wife. And this is the sort of unfaithfulness that God is criticising them about and it's like what is happening between them and God. They are discarding their God to find other gods. What are we to do? What we do is a, really is a reflection of our heart. And so that's why verse 16 ends with, so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. We all need to guard our spirit, ourselves and our spirit, so we do not 
break faith. And the passage goes on with greater sadness, really. Verse 17. You've wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him? You ask, by saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. It's like a contrary child, little a child who keeps demanding and changing things and, uh, and uh, infuriates the, the parent. Uh, and in society, we see the same thing happening today. It's always the case that what, what God says is bad, humanity will say, that's good. And what God says is good, humanity will say, that's bad. And we've wearied God out. Israel has wearied him out. And so we're looking forward to this salvation. We're looking for a message of hope. And we find in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, which says, I don't think I've got it. Let me go back and say, surely, chapter 4, verse 1, surely day is coming, it'll burn like a furnace and all the arrogant and evildoers will stumble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. For you, but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wing, wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to the fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. These are the final words of the scriptures, the Old Testament. Then there's silence. I mean, how do you get God to speak? Do you jump up and down? Do you call out to him? For 400 years, there was nothing. The only way God can, uh, will speak is if he acts, if he chooses to. But for now, they had to wait for four centuries. They were going to live with the sufferings that come from injustice and violence, uh, God was not going to deal with them at this point. They, they were to live with the effects of their sins. They would be people just happy to go on with their religion, and yet God didn't seem to turn up. God wasn't there. They would go on with their works of evil, and then they would go to their the religious ceremonies, and for them there was no separation. For 400 years, that's how it was until a young girl named Mary received a vision. John came to prepare the way for his cousin Jesus, came to change people's hearts. And that is where Je- what Jesus is doing, changing our hearts. 
We still have the sin and sufferings, the violence, injustice in the world. We, we long for the day where Jesus will come and deal with all that. In the meanwhile, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in our hearts. In the meanwhile, we will trust our God. We'll wait upon him. We'll follow his king and we'll keep in step with his spirit. We do, we'll do this because the alternative is too terrible. We are not far removed from the people uh, Malachi was preaching to. We can make our demands of God. We can just live our lives with no thought of God. God forbid we don't turn up for church or give some money because that would be bad, but, but the rest of the time we just ignore God. We, we, we leave God at church on a Sunday morning. We'll bargain, of course, with God. We'll, we'll say, God, if you do this, we'll, we'll pray for you, pray for and we'll, we'll worship you. But it's not a heart change. We need to be the people of God, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, because there's a world out there that needs God. They need to hear this message so it's up to us to proclaim, to proclaim this message. They need to see the God we worship in our lives, in our everyday lives, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our suburbs, and in our churches. Jesus taught us, did not, that it's not all about us. It never was and never will be. Actually, he invites us to lay down his life for him. We can be the ones who respond to the love of God because we've received his favour. We can be the ones who give the acceptable sacrifice of a broken and humble heart. We can be the ones who remain faithful, who, who live out their faithfulness, who hate divorce, who long to see Jesus in the flesh. But in the meantime, we will wait patiently, patiently on our God. We will not be the ones who are distracted by the false gods of money, of power, of sex, of wealth. We will not be the ones who will take advantage of others. We will not be the ones who lose hope because evil is before us. Let's be the people of hope, people of mercy, people of forgiveness, people of love. We need to guard ourselves in our spirit and not break faith. We we may our lives reflect the love of God. Just this week, as we've been reading through the, as a church, the, the book of Colossians, what about Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6? Devote yourself to prayer. And not just pray occasionally, not just come to church and pray, but devote yourself to prayer. Be wise in the way that you act towards others. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be full of grace and salt, season with salt. That is how we are to answer everyone. So what are you hoping for your final report card? What do you hope it says? Be assured it's all going to be through grace that we find acceptance with God. But what we do with that grace in the meantime, I hope and pray that my report card and yours will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm just going to pray as we conclude our time and uh, let's just spend some time praying to our God. And may the God of light shine down upon us. 
Lord, would you fill our heart with joy? May we enjoy Jesus Christ, our Saviour. May we live giving him praise and glory. Lord, would you fill us with the Spirit to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us love. Would you cause us to be led into all obedience? Lord, we ask great things of a great God. And you are the God who causes the storm and the wind. You are the God who brings hail and thunder and lightning. You are the God who is eternal and glorious. And you're the God who meets us so intimately, so close. You're the God who invites us into this relationship of love. Lord, may we never turn our eyes from you. May we never be distracted by the things of this world. Lord, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done here in Penrith and wherever this, this uh, YouTube will be found, as, in, as, if, as if in heaven. We want your kingdom come, your will be done. We, Lord, start with us, renew something within us, Give us your spirit and, your, and in a new and fresh way. Lord, may we never be fearful. May we always have courage to step in, keep in step with your spirit because we will never know exactly the steps that your spirit will make before it's time, but Lord, we just want to stay in step with you. And Lord, we ask that you would give us our day at early bread. We pray for those who are struggling with um, a fear because of, COVID. Lord, as we open up, we pray that you would um, enable us to re-engage with the world. Lord, we want to trust you in this. Um, Lord, we want to take all the precautions, but we don't want to be hiding in fear. Give us courage to do whatever you call us to do. Lord, we pray for those who are still struggling with uh, financial burdens because of lockdowns and uh, there's work issues. Lord, we pray that you would give them the daily bread they need. We pray for relationships and, uh, and mental health. We know it's very real. We, know, we pray for anxieties and fears. We, Lord, we pray, for, um, pray for our government, um, governments, Lord, federal, state and local governments, Lord, will you give them the wisdom to know how to act justly? And Lord, may they understand that they will be one day accountable to you. Lord, lead us not in temptation. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for our sins. Lord, there have been times when we have failed to love you. There are times when we have just been distracted or... or or so fearful we've just abandoned you. Lord, forgive us, I pray. And would you uh, help us to forgive others as we've been forgiven? May you fill our hearts with love so that we might extend that love to others. And lead us not in temptation, Lord. I pray you deliver us from evil. 
Deliver us from the, uh, the forces of evil in our world, the structures and the, the principalities. Lord, we, we do thank you that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Lord, but our struggles against the, the, the ruling, uh, uh, the, the spiritual um, powers that are in place. Lord, we want to resist Satan so that he might flee. And so we pray, Lord, as we go into this next week, Lord, we, we don't know what the week's going to face. We, we don't know what's going to be ahead. But the confidence of walking into that week is because we walk with you. Lord, remind us constantly that we walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.